Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Darius Faroo. Darius is an entrepreneur, writer, and podcaster who focuses on the topics of productivity, habits, decision-making, and personal finance. Since starting his blog, DariusFaroo.com, his articles have been read by millions and millions of people. He's also the author of several books, including Do It Today, Think Straight, and Win Your Inner Battles. He is also the host of a podcast called The Darius Farouk Show. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate it. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and some of the projects you're working on? Okay, yeah. So in uh, 2010, uh, I was writing my master's thesis in uh, at the University of Groningen in the, in the Netherlands in uh, marketing. And this was during the financial crisis. So at the time, I, I saw a lot of my friends looking at traineeships and, you know, the, the general uh, career path. And those were tr- uh, starting to dry up. And at the time, my father wanted to start a business. Uh, he was working in a laundry business for 25 years. Uh, and um, he said, why, why not work on this together? You can do the marketing side, you know, build a website, do online marketing, do all those things. And I can do the technical stuff because I had no clue about the whole, you know, professional laundry business. And I never even thought about getting into it. So while I was writing my master's thesis, I helped the start the company. And during that time, I had a lot of stuff going on. And I also wanted to have a private life and spend time with my friends and girlfriend at the time. So it was at that time that I got really focused on productivity because I realized that, yes, it is possible to get more results in less time. So all the stuff that I started writing about uh, three years ago when I started my blog, it was the stuff that I applied during those years when I had a lot of things on my plate. So after that, everything started rolling and I got my master's thesis, our business took off, and I really saw the power of productivity. And now I see it as my mission just to uh, inspire other people to apply productivity strategies in their own life. So that's where I'm coming from. That's awesome. What are some of the most important things that you think that you've learned, things that you've picked up that you've applied to your life that had the biggest impact? So one of the things that I've been recently uh, thinking about a lot and talking about a lot with my friends and uh, people I work with is that um, as an entrepreneur or as a person, basically, you experience hardship. You know, every now and then you go through difficult times. Uh, I think we are, we've all been there. And if you haven't been through it, it will come at some point. Um, the thing is, when you are in the middle of a challenging time, it always seems like the worst thing ever. And until recently, I still had that mindset when I was like, oh, things are going wrong. Oh, this is the worst thing ever. My career, my life is over. My business is over, right? And now I've started to realize that, no, it's not the end of your life. It's not the end of your career. When you experience tough times, looking back, you always say, hey, I've been through that, right? In hindsight, it's always easier to judge a solution. How about this? Why not look at your challenging your challenges at the same way as when you look back on them? So instead of when you're in the middle of it, start, start to freak out, just take like a helicopter view and look at uh, the situation you're in and Think about how you got out of other situations situations in the past and realize that you will do the same again. So that's one of the things that I've been recently, um, you know, that I recently learned and started applying. And it has helped me a lot with dealing with stressful situations. When you started writing your blog, was it always sort of around thoughts and mindset or were, I mean, what were you reading? Like, where were you picking up a lot of the material that you were writing about? Or were these just sort of general observations from your life? Because what you're describing now is 
sort of general observation from your life and something that you sort of pulled and found meaning from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a good question. When I when I started in 2015, um, I was re at the time I was reading a lot of articles and listening to podcasts and especially about productivity because this this has been my interest for a long time. And I thought to myself, you know, there's a lot of bullshit out there because life is not as easy as taking a cold shower and uh, I don't know not checking your email for the first 10 minutes of your day and then all of a sudden you're super human or whatever. And I thought to myself, there's a different way. So when I started my blog, I took the lessons that I learned from not only books, uh, but my own personal life and from my mentors and from everything that I learned and decided to give a personal twist to every article that I write. So that is basically my whole uh, goal. Every time I publish something, I look at it and I think, could any person write this? And if the answer is yes, I delete it because I always want to share my personal stories and share how I uh, apply the strategies and tips and practical things to my own life because I think that's more interesting than just like you said just talking about uh, general stuff because you know at the end of the day we all do face the same challenges um, but I think it's always helpful to read and learn about how other people have dealt with certain challenges in the past one of the questions that came up in our conversations before this were um, Mike who produced our podcast was was talking about thoughts. Why, why are thoughts so important and influential in our lives? Yeah, well, just to talk about uh, personal experience. So in uh, 2015, and this is also one of the reasons that I started my blog, is in the, in the beginning of the year, I lost my grandmother. And at the time, I was having a very busy life. And I still had the business, but about a year and a half before that, I moved to London from the Netherlands, uh, and I took a job at uh, Gartner, the IT research firm. And I thought I could combine everything because the reason that I took the job was I wanted to learn about uh, how corporations work and organization because I felt stuck at our business because I didn't know how to grow it beyond um, the one million turnover that we had at the time because it's a lot different to run a very small business compared to growing a business. You can stay small, if that's your goal, that's fine, but if you wanna grow it and if you wanna lead a team, that's a whole different game. So that's why I made that move. But I couldn't let go of helping with our family business uh, website, online marketing, still talking to clients, all those things, right? So I, I was essentially having a day job and working on my business as well. and. When my grandmother passed away early 2015, there was like a wake-up call to me. And I realized this is not what I set out to do with my life. Because if I look back on it now, I prefer to live a quiet life. And this is what I write about now a lot. But at the time, I was having a very busy life. Um, I was all over the place. And I was... You know, I woke up at six and I would, went to bed at 11 and I just worked all day long. And to answer your question, why are thoughts so important? My thoughts at the time were like, I have to do this, you know, and it wasn't a conscious decision. So when I published my book last year, Think Straight, the, the subtitle is Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. And what, I, what happened to me when I had the wake-up call was that life is short. And, but at the same time, it's also long if you use it in a way that gives you satisfaction and meaning. So that's what I truly mean by when you can change your thoughts, you can change your whole life. And I'm the perfect example of this because I have changed my life because I have changed my thoughts. My life is a lot different from where I was three years ago. 
So that that's just how I look at it. And I had a lot of negative thoughts and a lot of my decisions were based on fear. And now it's not anymore. So that that's basically why thoughts are really influential. Yeah, it's awesome. And one thing I noticed with you is that you definitely have a high awareness, right? And so it's really interesting to hear you talk about these things because you're not just sort of talking about them from a theoretical perspective. You're talking through your experiences and sort of processing experience against other experiences. Yeah, that, that, that's really that's a good point. The, the, the self-awareness thing is that I don't think I, I, I was always like this. I, I would, you know, in the past, I remember uh, re just recently I found some old journals for myself when I was like 16 or 17. It was really funny <laughs> to read through those. Um, but other than that, just other, like every now and then, just a little bit of introspection. Um, I wouldn't really spend time thinking. And uh, until that point, right, three years ago, that I really started this process and just having self-awareness and knowing what you want to get out of life, knowing who you are, knowing what you don't like. I think that's really important is knowing what you don't like. Um, that will help you to get to know yourself. And once you get to know yourself, you can just shape your own life. So that's why I think that's really important. You talked a little bit about journaling and a lot of people, especially men, at least in the United States, don't have journals at 16. So what made you start keeping a journal? Is that something you always did? Is it something your family encouraged? Like what made you start keeping a journal at such a young age? Because although you, you may say that only three years ago you started really thinking about these things, I feel like the fact that you were doing this at such a young age probably in some ways led to sort of deeper thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right, man. That's a, that's a good observation. So, um, so the first time that I started journaling was, um, around that like age 16, 17. And the reason at that time, as far as I can remember, because, you know, I'm 31 now, so several years ago, but I remember at that time I started getting into literature a lot and I started reading, uh, Charles Bukowski. I started reading e Brett Easton Ellis, American Psycho started reading uh you know the classics like uh, the stuff that <laughs> they tell you to read at, at american high schools right like fitzgerald and stuff is that still the case or well i haven't been in high school why but i think so yeah great gatsby yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that was my favorite book in high school actually <laughs> yeah i i loved it man when i was when i was like 16 you know i still i still uh, a few years ago i reread it again i thought it was really cool but um, so that whole wave of reading inspired me to start thinking uh, more because I think reading is just having a conversation with another person in your mind, right? That's that's basically what it is. And um, so that's when I started a little bit and I got, you know, <laughs> a little bit hyped up at the time. I was like, yeah, I want to be a writer. And I started writing some stuff down and uh, some poems for my girlfriends at the time and uh, try to impress them, you know. But that that's, you're right, it, it did start at that time. But I never did it consciously and I, no one in my environment did it as well. Like where I grew up, we only, you know, played basketball and in the weekends we would go out from a, you know, early age. That was our, our whole life. But I was always interested in, uh, the thing that, by, by the way, that my parents did um, support me was to always focus on getting a degree. And that was really important. And I think that that is one of the most important decisions that I made was to, even though I was interested in other things, having fun, uh, I, I always decided that I'm going to give uh, the highest priority to my own education. So that was one of the, the, you know, the most important decisions that I've made in my life from an early age. And that has what, you know, has led me to be where I am today. But still, I didn't have great mentors in my life at the time, you know, until I was 20, 24, 25, when I started the business uh, that I got to know very successful businessmen through my father. And that's when I started 
learning more about real life because what you learn in school is great. You know, you can improve your thinking skills and all that. But what I learned was when I got out of when I even got when I got my master's degree, I had I had no clue about life. I, I didn't know anything. It was, I still don't know a lot of things. And that's what my whole blog is about. Right. <laughs> we don't, no one knows what they're doing. That's what I often say is that we just try to, you know, figure some stuff out. But three years ago um, is when I truly started to become more conscious of my thoughts. And that went hand in hand with journaling, because I don't think you can improve your self-awareness, or at least I can't improve my self-awareness without journaling, because I think writing is thinking, because I don't know another way to think. You can just put stuff in your head, right? But that that never sticks, I think. Uh, once I start writing things down, then they become real. So I don't care if, you know, if like journaling, people think it's for 13-year-old girls, and I often joke about it, right? But if the, if if there's a tool that can improve your life, why not use it? I agree. I actually carry a journal everywhere, and I didn't pick up journaling until a few years ago. I had a former girlfriend, and she used to journal all the time, and I used to see the way that journaling affected her decision-making and thought process. And I always wanted to journal, but when I was 16, yeah, I was playing sports, and i didn't think it was cool enough, right? I, and, I, yeah. and and as I got a little older, I didn't know how to get started, right? Because journaling is, to a certain extent, a form in the same way. There's different forms of poetry and there's different forms of essay writing and it, it is sort of its own form. So I had to start reading. I started reading journals of other people uh, to a certain extent and trying to get comfortable with the idea and watching her. But I think it's so awesome that you started doing that at such a young age. You also talked a little bit about reading and this idea of having conversations in your head. Oh, I want to say one other thing. There's a book called On Writing that I read years ago and by this guy, I think it's William Zinser. Or Zinser, Zinser. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he says, yeah. yeah, writing is just thinking on paper. And and I think thinking about writing in that way has definitely made it easier for me to write. I, I wanted to talk to you about this thing that you brought up about reading and these conversations you're having in your head. I know that reading had a very profound impact on me when I started reading, I went back to community college and I was having trouble in my my first like level one writing classes. And I reached out to a high school teacher because I was looking for some type of tutoring. And he introduced me to this woman and she told me, you should really start reading more. And she goes, you're really bright, but you don't know anything about literature. And I was thinking, well, why do I need to know anything about literature? I'm, I read practical stuff. I read the news. I read current events. Right. And and she goes, well, in life, you're going to have problems. And you're not going to know how to face them. And when you read literature, you'll gain tools that will help you to sort of work through these things. And so I know in my life, I trusted her enough that I started reading more. And I know in my life that it's had a profound impact. I'm curious, what type of conversations were you having when you were reading some of this literature? What you experience is, uh, I think, similar to what I experienced. But to me, I don't. when I think about it, I can't remember why I started started picking up books uh, i think mostly to you know popular culture as well because i remember um because I, I listened to a lot of hip-hop and you know jay-z and nas and you know those guys talk, always talked about they made references to writers or art or uh tupac like he referenced um nicolo machiavelli and when I recently started thinking about it, like, why did I even start reading? Because most of my friends didn't read at all. And I think music inspired me, uh, specifically hip hop inspired me to pick up books. And I remember (laughs) as well, (laughs) by the way, now now we're talking about this, um, around the same time, right? 16, 17, you're starting to, you know, grow up a little bit and, you could get out of high school and you start thinking about your next move and all those things. And I uh, ordered the uh, 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. And I, even though when I reread it a few years ago, I was I looked back and I was like, dude, I didn't understand anything of that book <laughs> when I was 16. Because <laughs> I had no clue about all the, you know, the politics that, that goes on at workplaces and all those things that are involved with uh, with having a career, but it did you know do something with me that I realized that you can 
learn something that you haven't experienced? Because at, until that point, I was like, yeah, just try an error. You know, you go out and you do something and it doesn't work and then you learn from it. But then I, when I started reading, I was like, oh, wow, I can read from, or I can learn from other people's experience. And that had a real big impact on me. And, you know, just to ask you a question about having the conversations with, in my mind, with the, the, the author was like, just try to process things, you know, it's tough to explain the, the exact thinking process that I have, but, um, I always was a, a highlighter of books. I never, um, took them as like sacred things or whatever. I saw them as objects or things that you use. Um, so I always highlighted books, um, you know, folded pages and uh, sometimes took notes. And, you know, that was for me having those conversations. Oh, look, this is really important. You have to remember this, right? Just even even though I don't look at, back at my notes in like 90% of the time or whatever it is, I still think it um, makes things more real for me. I think that that's that's my whole process for reading books. And I also wrote an article about uh, a few years ago about how I read uh, at the time, how I read two books a week. I, I read one book a week now. Uh, but for the past three years, I've been really uh, obsessed about reading because I, because I want to do a lot of things in my life and I don't have the time to learn everything on my own. So I'm constantly reading and to see things that I can learn from others and what you uh, said about your teacher, was it right? That yeah. she was like, yeah, you face you fa- you, uh, yeah, your life facing problems. That's a great example of how reading helps. Yeah. Well, there's a few things that came to my mind as, as you were talking. One of them is that you talked about reading Machiavelli after listening to Tupac, right? The first book I started reading was Steinbeck. And the reason why I started reading Steinbeck was because he had gone to, I went to two high schools growing up and he went to one of them a hundred years before me, but he's like this famous writer, right? In fact, I, when I was a kid, I played football on the Steinbeck football team and, but he was, he was around. And so I started reading him because he was writing about the area that I lived in. And so it was accessible, right? And, and you're talking about reading Machiavelli because Tupac, who you're listening to already is talking about him. And so there's, so there's this natural sort of accessibility. I, I know I tried to read a lot of classics when I was younger because people told me that I should read them or they're on some book list of like the 100 greatest books. And at the time, a lot of them I could not read. I tried to read them and I tried to read them and I tried to read them. I tried to read the Iliad and the Odyssey, which books I couldn't read till I actually got to college and like there was context. I would say like if somebody is listening to this and they're not a big reader and they want to get into reading – one observation in my own life and I, I hear from you and and from other conversations that I've had is it doesn't really matter what you read. Just start reading and read stuff that's accessible to you. And when I say accessible, not just something, maybe it's something that's physically close, but something that's like you want to read. Stuff that just excites you, right? Exactly, right? Because that's going to lead into other things. It's funny, you talk about uh, listening to Tupac and reading Machiavelli and I remember reading Edgar Allan Poe and later on wanting to read classic literature because he's talking about like the bust of palace, right? Like Greek mythology. And so, but I mean, I also listened to like a lot of gangster rap growing up. <laughs> but, so I'm just like my, my classical background. When I started talking about this sort of old literature. Somebody's listening to this. Like, that's not what I grew up on for sure. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't pick that. I didn't pick that up till way later in, in my adult life as I was, uh, going in and out of school and uh, taking more and more literature classes. But th- that's one thing that came to my mind. The other thing that came to my mind is, for me, part of sort of growing up is getting comfortable with yourself. And there are a lot of ideas or feelings or things or emotions that were floating around that I didn't know if they were normal. And then as I started reading literature, I would see the same sort of thoughts and feelings and emotions in the characters. And I started thinking, well, Wait, if I'm feeling this and this character is feeling this, which was written by some writer who must have been feeling it or aware of it, like maybe I'm not the only person 
who's having these thoughts or feelings. And then it, it sort of gave me the courage to start having conversations around them. And that was very helpful for me from a developmental perspective. Did you find that was true for you as well? Yeah, man, I think uh, you just uh, are way better at putting this into words. <laughs> yeah, man, because that, that's exactly how I feel. Um, just the, the stuff that you were talking about a little bit earlier about um, uh, reading books that are accessible to you or relevant to you is one of the most important things that I've uh, learned in my life is that I remember also um, just picking up that list, uh, the, the Time uh, magazine, I think top 100, like this classic list of, you know, best books of all time, right? Like Catcher in the Rye, all that, all that stuff. For example, I still remember Lord of the Flies. That's it's regarded as a classic, right? I read the book and I was like, "Fuck, this is boring." <laughs> and I just at at some point I decided I'm not going to read this read this anymore because I don't enjoy this. And that's when I was like, "Hey, you don't have to finish every single book that you saw, even though if millions of people love it, if you don't, so what? Just move on." And I learned, like for example. Fight Club is one of my favorite books. Reason that I started reading the book was the movie. And the reason that I saw the movie was because one of my friends got really excited about it. It was like, yeah, you have to watch this movie. And it's it's very serendipitous, you know. It's like you just go with go with the flow, and you you just pick up something and you try. It and if you enjoy it, you go in in into this whole uh, rabbit hole of books that you know are influenced by one another another example is uh, i started reading charles bukowski at some point and then i started because he was uh, influenced by john fante i started reading him so that's how i've done it as well and i still how i still do it um even at, at this stage of my career i don't read a lot of literature anymore um, but also because you know what we talk about just read read books that are relevant to me what's relevant right now is books that help me to improve my business uh, improve my uh, thinking process improve my writing skills improve my speaking skills these are things that i read every single day and if i read books that are relevant to me that are exciting and that I can apply, reading automatically becomes very fun. Just this morning, I was reading Michael Jordan's uh, biography. And I, as I was reading this, I was like, man, I really love reading. <laughs> it's, like, it's like running a little bit. I don't know if you, if you run a little bit longer distances or... Yeah, I, I go through phases where I run a lot, and then I go through phases where I don't run as a lot, especially in the winter. But yeah, I do run. Same here. So you probably know that feeling of after a half hour in, then you start, you know, feeling, you know, getting in the flow a little bit. Uh, your feet start to feel really good in your shoes and the steps feel good and all those things. That's how I look at reading as well. When I start reading the first few minutes, I'm like, oh, man, I have, I have stuff to do, you know, like, oh, check what's going on on my phone. Check my email. Maybe I can go have have some drinks with my friends or whatever. And then when I start reading a little bit more, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes in, I'm like, oh, man, this is this is awesome. You know, so I, you know, <laughs> I love reading, man. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. That's, that's awesome. What are some of the other books that you have been reading over the last year that have been really impactful for you? What I also do is um, I record everything that I read in uh, Goodreads just for myself. So just to know what kind of books that I've read and some of the books that were recommended to me a lot in recent years were books by uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. And I hadn't read them until recently. And within a month, I read all his books and I really, really enjoyed it. And I, the reason that I, I think I enjoyed it was because I read his latest book first because one of my friends was like yeah the 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 order that he published the books in are great but if if i would read them or like you know reorder them start with skin in the game which is his latest book 
And in, in that book, he basically talks about uh, taking responsibility for your words and for your actions and for what you do. Because there are a lot of people he loves to pick on uh, academics and scholars. Um, they have nothing to lose, right? They can just say whatever and it's not like their business is going to fail or whatever. They can, they, they don't have money that they invest uh, that they can, can lose. They have their quite safe job and they can say whatever. And he loves to pick on those people. But when I was reading that, I was like, yeah, he has a great point. So I started reading his other books as well. And especially Fooled by Randomness uh, was a book that I really enjoyed was that just, you know, a lot of things in life we think we can explain. But there's still a lot of random things that happen, right? So that that that's definitely if you haven't read Taleb's books, I, I highly recommend to everybody. Dating coach Chris Thoney here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way, you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. I wanted to go back, take a few steps back. We were talking about thoughts and how they're influential in our life. And you talked a little bit about that. When you fall into a bad thought pattern, how do you break out of it? So I've, I've been asked this uh, quite a lot in, the, in recent years. And um, I gave several different answers and uh, for example one of the things i was like yeah for me journaling really works and it's still a little bit abstract right it's like oh yeah but how exactly uh what questions do you ask yourself or what's the process and so i started thinking about this um specifically what can you do if you feel stuck just one quick thing one quick exercise and after a lot of reading and researching and um, specifically in psychology, I also got a little bit inspired by uh, Jordan Peterson, who was really popular at the time, uh, or right now actually. Um, started reading uh, Carl Jung as well, and I realized, and also uh, Viktor Frankl, which Man's Search for Meaning is one of my favorite books, and I realized something that is very obvious. And that is human beings always need to move forward. If we don't have something to look forward to, we feel stuck. We feel unhappy. We feel depressed. We feel, you know, we don't enjoy our life. And I am exactly the same. You know, if, if I'm feeling unhappy, if I'm feeling stuck, if I journal and if I get down to the point, that's because I have no idea what I'm doing. It's like, what should I do now, you know? And we all experience those moments. So, and I was starting to get a little bit long-winded there, but specifically what I do now when I get in a rut is I start setting some goals. What's my goal for today? What's my goal for this week? What's my goal for this month? What's my goal for the next six months? Or not, what is my goal? What are my goals? Just more. What are my goals for the, for the, this year? What are my goals for the next three years? What are my goals for the next five years? Just write it down. If if you if you're listening right now and if you're feeling a little bit stuck, I highly recommend taking some time for this exercise. And I wrote about it recently on my on my blog as well. It's just a, a couple questions. You know, what are your goals? And when when you when you start thinking about it, 
you'll start getting excited. You'll you'll make some endorphin in your head. You, you, your serotonin level will go up and that will make you feel better. And once you start feeling better, you'll start getting out of bed. You'll take a shower. You go to the gym. You start even feeling even more, even better than that. You feel more confident. And that's when you start talking. You know, that's that's when you start. You can start doing things. Yeah. One thing I tell our clients is when you're trying to change directions, just start taking steps in that new direction. It's a similar idea, right? And and I and I'll say like, look, like you take one step in a different direction that doesn't feel very far, but you keep taking steps every day in a different direction, eventually you'll be in a completely different place. And so having that destination in mind of where it is that you want to go or begin to think about it would be very helpful. There's something else that you mentioned Jordan Peterson, and I mean, he's a pretty controversial guy. I, I mean, I don't agree with everything that he says, but I love a lot of his content. I think that yeah, the, guy is, the guy is brilliant. And he talks about this idea of like chaos and structure. And for a lot of us, we have really structured lives and so much so where like we sort of wake up in the morning, we get up at the same time, we do the same sets of things, our day ends around the same time. My day isn't really like that, but it was at one time. And for a lot of people, it is. And they sort of run this algorithm every day where they sort of do the same things and it allows them in certain ways to kind of optimize their productivity. And they're constantly trying to figure out how to optimize their productivity. But sometimes we outgrow um, what it is that we're doing, right? We need change and, and we find sort of meaning in chaos, right? And so when we when we have a very structured life, we find meaning in chaos or change or new data or new input or picking up a new skill. And then for those of us who are lives a little bit more chaotic or we're, we're sort of more creative, we don't have a lot of structure. You need structure in order to actually produce Right, because if you don't have any pr- uh, structure, you'll never actually produce anything. And it's sort of he was saying that you find meaning in between these two points. I think it's true. Yeah, man. So y- you you mentioned that you don't have that same uh, day anymore. Or your your days are a little bit more flexible, or how, yeah, the, the, my days are very flexible. Yeah, I have structures, but the structures are like somebody helps me produce this podcast. They book all the guests. I jump on and I record the podcast. And then I send them off and somebody else edits them. And so what I've tried to, the shift in my life has really been towards sustainable systems. And so how, how do I start create sustainable systems? And one thing I've realized in my life is, and even in different jobs that I've had, is there are periods where like I was less productive and then there was periods that I was hyper productive where I was more productive than maybe all my coworkers combined. And that would last for a month or two and then I would be burned out. And so like all of society doesn't have the benefit of sort of riding these waves of energy and excitement and being able to relax during sort of down times. Like if you, for example, work at Starbucks, you just have to get up every day and make drinks or if you deliver groceries every single day, like you're doing the same thing every day. For me, as somebody who is in more of a creative process, I'm nurturing people, I'm coaching them, I'm producing content. I find that too much structure is actually, it's not, helpful for me as having more flexibility, but creating sustainable systems. It's like I did this podcast for a a few years ago. I did a bunch of episodes and although I did a ton of episodes, I was hyper productive. I did, I don't know, I recorded maybe a hundred of them in, in three months. I was absolutely exhausted afterwards and the rest of my life was sort of a, a mess and I wasn't really productive. I'd stopped the podcast for a while. So when I went back and realized that I wanted to do the podcast again. This time I'm like, it's all about sustainable systems, right? So bring somebody in, pay them to help make sure that this thing is, is stable, right? So as far as my life goes, like I I have like things that are structured, but I don't get have to get up at the same time every day. There's certain like four or five things, three to five things that I want to get done every day. I want to go work out. So I'll run or bike or go to yoga or lift weights or play sports. So I'll, I'll do something physical. Maybe I'll have to do a podcast or two or maybe a video or an interview. But there's like th- three to five things every day that I really want to do. What I don't do is structure my day from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. I just, as somebody who's a creator, or I'm always constantly trying to connect ideas. And so you're talking about that as well. You're like, I'm writing, I'm reading, I'm processing these experiences, I'm processing conversations with mentors. And and I feel like making those connections, like I need downtime to make those connections. Do you find that's true? 
Yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. I'm exactly the same. The one thing that I am different on is that every week I sit down and, and just like you set your daily priorities, I uh, schedule my week. So I have a lot of things uh, going on. So I still work out of work uh, on a family business. So I spend uh, probably one or two days on that a week. And then I have my podcast and I have my blog and I publish a new article and a new podcast every single week. And I haven't missed uh, an article for like, you know, ever since I started, unless I, you know, announced that I'm taking a break, which is also very beneficial, I think. But I, what I do is I, 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 uh, all the stuff that you talked about having systems, for example, is I'm, I'm exactly the same. For example, one of the components of my system is work out every single day on 85% of my maximum. I never want to burn myself out because I know I'm going to work out tomorrow again. So in the past, I would yeah, go all out, dude. You know, it's like, yeah, just lift weights and go all out on your run or whatever it is. And I would find myself burned out and having uh, sore muscles all week long. And that wasn't sustainable, I believe, you know. So I started looking for more things and I found uh, some stuff on, on, on the Internet and people were talking about, hey, if you want to work out every day, why are you giving it your all? That's not, <laughs> unless you're a professional athlete, uh, that's not a smart thing to do. So that's one of the things that's part of my system. But for example, every week, my week looks different. So for example, right now, I work out in the middle of the day. So I wake up in the morning, I start reading. That's how I really love to start my day. I read. And then I immediately start working on uh, the creative stuff. You know, I write, uh, think about new topics for my podcast or for articles and uh, do that, you know, a long time. And I do always do that at my apartment. So um, I can immediately start working on it. And then around between 12 and 1, I go to the gym. And then afterwards, I go to our office. And that's when I work on other things that require less concentration. That's that's what I do now, but uh, maybe you know a month ago I had the opposite schedule. <laughs> I would wake up and would go to the office because we had uh, some projects going on that were really important. So I do mix it up, but for me it's really beneficial to have that structure that I know all right. All right, this upcoming week, this is what I'm going to do every single day. So it is a little bit more, um, how would you say, like more strict, but. Uh, it, it does work for me. and But what I found is that everybody works in different ways, you know? Yeah, it's definitely true. I, I, I keep a calendar. So I have a calendar and when I have a podcast, someone puts it on my calendar. Or if I have an interview, someone puts it on my calendar. So I don't have total <laughs> fluidity. Uh, but if I did, then it goes back to this chaos and structure, right? Like if I have total fluidity, then I just like won't do anything. And, and, and one thing I have learned is that not all work is equal. I could fill my day with lots of different things, but not all of them have the same type of value or long-term value to my life. And so one of the things I've tried to do is shift my attention to things that have longer-term value. Yeah, like what? um, The podcast is an example, right? So Mm. when I went back and started the podcast again, I didn't do it with the intention of doing another 100 episodes. I did it with the intention of doing it for the next 10 years. So it's sort of a shift and I'm doing the same thing in a couple of other areas of my life. For us, I know that the podcast leads to people taking our coaching. And so if I do over the next 10 years, it will sort of allow us a marketing stream for more people to get acquainted with us and consider our coaching or consider sort of other things. Uh, it also it creates like sort of meaningful relationships. This is the first time I've got a chance to get to know you and maybe next time in, I'm in Europe, we'll hang out or next time you're in New York, we'll hang out. So there's like, yeah. so, so are you come on my podcast? Or, that's yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would love to do your podcast, but yeah, so I, I have, a, I have more fluidity than a lot of people and I feel like that's important to me, but it's not that I'm void of structure. <laughs> if I don't have any structure, then like I'm not productive at all. So, but for example, I uh, talked to uh, Paul Jarvis uh, a while back. Yeah. He's a, um, you know, a freelancer and a programmer and he has a very popular newsletter and his own podcast and all that kind of stuff. And 
he is uh, very fluid and very flexible. The way that he explained it to me, it was like I asked him, hey, what's your morning ritual? What's, what's the thing that you do when you wake up? He was like, I don't have anything like that. He was like, I don't even set an alarm. He was like, I just wake up and I just do whatever I want. And obviously he has worked uh, himself in a position to be that, you know, he, he's an established name and, uh, and, and, and it works for him because he experimented with a lot. And um, so that was really fascinating to me as well, that it does work for some people as well, just to have a complete empty calendar. And sometimes for me as well. I don't use an alarm for sure. I mean, I, mean, I do every once in a while, but it's like, but I definitely, I definitely have these systems, right? So I have a call with the guy who produces the podcast every Monday at 10.30 a.m. And then I have uh, somebody who works on the blog on Thursdays. He helps coach for us and, and writes. So like the, I, I set up these sort of systems, but everybody works a little bit different. And it's, it's important to find sort of something that works for you. I tried waking up without an alarm too as well. It worked for a short while, but like I'm a night person, so... If you stay up beyond 1 a.m. or whatever, uh, at least if I do it, I sleep until 10 or whatever. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh, shit, I have a lot of stuff that I want to do. <laughs> and then it, it didn't work out for me. I'm more of a morning person, but if I'm too tired, my brain doesn't work. Like, I can't read. I can't write. Like, I can't do sort of deeper thinking. And so I have to sleep. And that's interesting. People talk about optimizing sleep and sleeping less and I just like really don't give a fuck about any of that. I care about how I feel, right? Like I sleep until I feel good. And if I don't, <laughs> and sometimes when life is off, like I had a something go off in my life in the last week and I was telling a close friend, I was, I'm like, I'm just grumpy, but after I take a nap, I'll wake up. And so I found that almost everything in life is solved by naps. <laughs> and, and and I woke up and I felt better. <laughs> nah, man, it's, it, this is 100% true, man. Like last week, I was feeling under the weather. I um, I had a sore throat. Um, my nose was running all day. And for one day, I, f I felt like shit. And then the next day, I felt a little bit better. But I, I wasn't feeling good. I couldn't work, you know. And then in, in the afternoon, uh, I was like, you know, fuck this. I'm just going to eat some potato chips and I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> Honestly, believe me, man. When I woke up... <laughs> I felt just 100% new. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everything went, went away. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was like, oh man, this is good. So, yeah, take take naps if you can, man. It's it's the best. But it, the the one thing that I want to ask you as well is that when you feel, uh sleep too much, do you feel uh, cuz when I do that sometimes when I sleep I, I can go off and sleep for 9 hours and then when I wake up I feel I don't feel that focused. I mean, like I have a little bit of headache sometimes or whatever. Do you have anything like that as well? Or? Yeah, but honestly, if I just keep sleeping, eventually it goes away. <laughs> and this is sort of, okay. I mean, I'm saying this like in a half sort of silly way, but I mean, I had a lot going on in the last couple of weeks. And like at one point, I just had a series of things and I just was exhausted. I was like stretching myself a little bit thin, definitely more than I normally do. And I, I found that like one day I just slept in really late. I didn't have anything I had to do. I took a nap in the afternoon. That night I went to bed early. I woke up the next morning. I felt great. I just like, I was not getting enough sleep for a couple of days. I was just exhausted. And you know, what? I overslept for a day and a half and afterwards I was back to normal. And for me, like if I don't catch up on that sleep, I just continue to feel depleted. So I did oversleep and felt groggy, but like the solution was actually not to wake up and drink coffee. It was to sleep more until my body felt recovered and I was also working out a lot. Like I've been working out a lot. And so I find that sleep is oftentimes the best form of recovery. I heard LeBron James say that and uh, he was talking about training and just the aging and it's like the best recovery is sleep. And I find that the same thing is true for me. Like I'm the more I work out as I get older, I just, I just need to sleep. There's, there's not way around it. So sometimes I'll wake up groggy if I've overslept, but oftentimes if I'm still groggy, it means that I need more sleep. And I might not, I might not get that snap for four or five hours, but it means that I, I need more sleep. And I find eventually, like, if I sleep enough, I end up in sort of some type of equilibrium. I, I've had friends who've like been 
in situations where they're really depressed and, and they were sleeping too much. But I think that's a little bit of a different issue. These things are always, um, it's so, it's so complex, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, for example, you know, when I'm stretched too thin, right? Like I'm working a lot, um, working out, I have a lot of stuff on my plate. Sometimes I, I just let go of a lot of things and then I sleep and then, then, and I feel a lot better, but sometimes I don't. And then what does work is just have a lot of structure. Wake up at the same time, eat the same breakfast, go to the gym, uh, and, and focus on my physical health, and then my mental health will follow automatically. And I've been through those phases as well. And like, for example, I'm, right now, I'm in a phase and I'm giving my physical health my top priority. So uh, I'm not focused on, you know, growing my blog or podcast or making more money and all those things. Because if you are, at, you know, at some point in your career, you're like, okay, things are going well and there's some steady growth and I can accept that. I'm good with that because I know that if I get stronger, I can make a, a bigger push in the future, you know? So that's how I sometimes look at things as well because every situation is different, man. I think it's absolutely true. And I experienced the exact same thing when I, like my life is totally off. Something's wrong. Uh, I'm not feeling happy. The very first thing I've learned to do is focus on like creating some form of structure, exercising and eating healthy. When I start creating that structure, like that's primary. And I find that as I start to get in shape then, and when I go to the gym or I'm working out, I'm essentially doing the same things. Like if I'm doing uh, it's Monday. I'm always doing the same exercises. Tuesday, I'm doing the different body parts, the same exercises. And I just sort of set up this structure. I follow it and I use it to get myself back into physical shape. And, and I, yeah, my thoughts follow. So I've experienced the exact same thing. And something else that came to my mind, and I mentioned this earlier, is like I got this obsession I have with sustainable systems. And I just keep thinking more and more about in my life building sustainable systems. And and our body is a system, right? And we're trying to optimize the system and keep the system in a sort of a state that's going to allow us to accomplish the things that we need our body to do. And whether that's to think critically or to do certain things physically or, or psychologically, but essentially a system. And you talked earlier about this idea of sort of 80% working out or 80% or 85%. And I used to do that too. I remember being like 16, deciding I'm going to really work out my arms because I want big biceps and then not being able to move them for like four days where I'm walking around and my arms are sort of like bowing and I can't like make them go straight and I can't bend them. And uh, I essentially just hurt myself and lost a bunch of days of working out because I pushed myself so hard. I remember reading this magazine on sales. There's an article and, and the guy was like, he goes, if you try to get people to perform at 100% of their potential, they're just going to burn out. He goes, you're, you're much better off trying to get them to perform at like 80% of their potential because it's, like, again, it's like a sustainable system. And yeah, I found that in my own, my own life, creating sustainable systems is like the most important thing. And sometimes, yeah, things come up, my interests change, I get distracted, and I, I have to go back and sort of re-examine the systems that I've engineered and adjust them and tweak them or go back to something that I know works or find something new because what I've been doing is no longer working. Yeah. 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 One of the things that I, um, I think recently learned is that these systems and uh, strategies and this whole self-improvement thing, right. is a process. And sometimes we forget that because, you know, we read a book or we listen to a podcast or an audio book or we read an article and then we hear something that is sounds useful. Right? So somebody might listen to this and say, hey, oh, this um, working out thing at 80% sounds quite good. Let me try this out. And they might try it out. And then after you start doing it, you form the habit of doing it. And at that point, it's very easy to go on automatic pilot. You know, you might do this for years and years, and maybe it's not the right thing for you at that time. Maybe you want to increase the strength in your lower body because um, your upper body is too strong, right? What you need to do then is to 
focus on uh, strengthening your legs or your abs or whatever it is. Like in that in that case, you don't want to work out at eighty percent every day. You need a more specific uh, training routine. And uh, the reason that I'm mentioning this is because I had this, you know, when I was six, well, I started playing basketball when I was 13. Um, and then I started uh, working out at 16, 17, you know, lifting weights. And like almost all 16, 17 year old guys do is I worked out my uh, beach muscles. So I had a big chest. <laughs> and big arms and that was about it <laughs> <laughs> and I totally neglected my legs and what happened was that uh, I started getting some back issues lower back and two years ago or well, a year and a half ago I uh, consulted some uh, professionals physiotherapists and uh, people working professional sports and we realized that I didn't have all these years. I didn't have problems with my lower back. It was my uh, hip flexors. My hip flexors were way too tight uh, because of um, all the sitting that you do throughout your life, uh, but also just playing basketball and uh, certain sports and working out when I was younger. And that caused a you know imbalance. That's that's the only way that I can look at it because there's, there's an imbalance between my lower body and my upper body at the time. So I started working out very consciously. And for example, one of the things that I always do now after every single workout, doesn't matter whether it's lifting or running, I stretch my hip flexors for at least 10 to 15 minutes. So that's just an example of, it's great to listen to advice and, you know, self-improvement and, this is one of the main uh, messages that I try to com- communicate on my blog and everything that I do is that, you know, listen to this stuff, but always make it your own, apply it to your own life and, and just, just don't <laughs> be skeptical as well sometimes. Yeah. And it goes back to the same thing I mentioned early on the podcast that I noticed about you is this awareness, right? And so a lot of people listen to what other people say and they, they just sort of try to run that algorithm. They just try to do that thing and that might not be right for you and you should definitely test these things you try them you see how they work for you but and the example you use just sort of going back to the system like your body you threw your body off and you listened to your body and sort of made adjustments based on that and i think there's sort of like this self-reflective process that's involved in that that's important to development because each person is going to have their own background and strengths and issues and desires and goals and dreams and ambitions and they're gonna have to take inventory of themselves and utilize like figure out where are these strengths and and where are these weaknesses and how do i sort of navigate around them everyone's gonna have sort of their own path yeah what you said is really important i think just being being very conscious about the way you live your life i think that's that's one of the things that i value the most is that almost everything that i do is thought through, you know, even if I just relax and go with the flow, it's because of a reason. And I wasn't always like this, you know, what, what I mentioned when I had the wake up call, when my grandmother passed away. Uh, before that, I did a lot of things on automatic pilot, you know, for more than 10 years, I listened to all the bro science about working out. I ate like five or six meals a day. I worked out uh, I did my chest one day. I, I, had, I had splits, you know, split routines. And what I found out later on, because I started being more conscious about my life, I was like, hey, let's just research this, okay? Just don't listen to meatheads in the gym. Just go for yourself and just do some research. Start where everybody starts. Go to Google. You start reading, you know? And after a while, you say, okay, some people say, it doesn't matter how often you eat. And then you think, oh, is this true? Then you start re- researching more. What I, what you will find is if you do the same is you'll find out that all these things about eating 10 times a day, it's all bullshit. It doesn't matter for your body, right? Whether you want to eat one time a day, two times, three times, it doesn't matter. Just get your nutrients in 
make sure you get enough protein and all those things and fat and you know whatever is important but the eating pattern is not that important as we think unless you are fasting and you know but one of the things that when you talk about self-awareness it comes to mind is uh, just being really conscious about everything that you do makes me think of that socrates quote from plato's apology that the unexamined life is not worth living um, I know we're sort of getting over on time. Is there anything else you want to share with the listeners before we wrap this up? If you if you're not journal, journaling, start a journal. That's that's the one thing that I recommend basically everybody to do. That's uh, something that can never hurt. This is awesome. If you're listening to this, you want to learn more about Darius's blog. We're going to put some links on the Craft Christmas website and in the description of this podcast, so you can find out more about him, what he's doing, his books more easily. Thank you so much for coming on here. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.